0: There, and welcome to Dr. Do Hatfield's online service. The last while we've been doing live recordings on a Sunday, which we love, but unfortunately, because of an unfortunate ESCOM incident on Sunday, we lost our live recording. So here I am once again doing it, and unfortunately, it's not live, but the content is the same, and we are in the book of Acts. So you can open up a Bible with me, and that is the fifth book of the New Testament. You have the Gospels, the Good News, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, And then we get the book of Acts, which tells the early church's story, this adventurous, amazing, historical narrative of the very first Christians. And this is our third series in this book, and we're calling it Tales from the Table. And the reason is, we've often said that you can't even find, really, monuments to the early church in the form of temples and synagogues and church spaces and gatherings, because the most powerful gathering of the early church was never the temple, it was the table. It was around thousands of these meals that people came to know Jesus, were discipled, were filled with the spirit, were taught about the values of the kingdom. So if you ask the question, how did this marginalized group of nobodies with zero political and social influence, how did they become the greatest force for good in the history of mankind? It was a thousand and one of these little meals, powerful meals around the table. And if those early church tables could talk, man, what stories would they tell? And the amazing thing is we serve exactly the same God today. You have exactly the same spirit in you today if you are a Christian. So what can the tables of the modern church begin telling if we follow Jesus passionately. So last week we left it off while we saw Paul's first speech recorded to this Jewish audience and today it's almost the opposite because they end up in this region called Lystra and there they find no Jewish synagogues. And so they have to, for the first time in the book of Acts at least, that we see they are engaging a non-Jewish audience and we're going to see just how amazingly the unreached are reached. So read with me Acts 14 verse 8. In Lystra a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet. He had never walked and had been lame from birth. He listened as Paul spoke. And after looking directly at him and seeing that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. He jumped up and he began to walk around. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted saying in the Laconian language, the gods have come to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker, verse 14. The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and they rushed into the crowd shouting, people, why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you and we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave them without a witness since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy, verse 21, and after they had preached the gospel in that town, they had made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So here we have an incredible story about reaching the unreached. In our city and in our country, we have so many represented here watching today. People connected to you, family, friends, colleagues, neighbours, that do not yet know Jesus. They do not yet have as the, the centrepiece of their life, an identity based on the one who made them and loves them and gave himself for them in the cross of Christ and what we often are asking ourselves is, man, why do we not see more people like this reach through our lives? And here's a great example of that. And so what happens is Paul and Barnabas, they have this miracle take place through them and it's just pandemonium after that. The people can't believe it. And they read the situation through almost their kind of Greek mindset. And they see these as the Greek gods come to earth. It's Zeus and Hermes. And so Paul and Barnabas, you know, very Jewish custom, they tore their robes and they said, no, this is, not, this is not good. Don't bow down and worship us. Don't esteem us. Last week we spoke about having God as the main actor of the play that is your life. This is what Paul was saying. Listen, this is not about us. This is about God. This is the God, not just a, a Roman or a Greek God, but this is the God who has come to earth in the person of Jesus. And so in this kind of language barrier, there's a bit of a moment of confusion, but through it, Paul is able to gather himself and take a moment and share the good news. And we see people responding and having their lives transformed. Now there's a lot that we didn't cover here today and we can't go into every single detail, but the thing that I want us to focus on, I think the key for that to me lies in verse 21. So highlight in your Bible here, it says, number one, they preached the gospel in that town And they made, very practically, they made many disciples. And then they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. Verse 22 says, strengthening these disciples that had become Jesus' followers, they did that by encouraging them to what? Continue in the faith. To continue in the faith. You see the two things that God wants us to do? Yes, he has called you and equipped you and he's given you a vocation, maybe as a student or a a pastor, programmer, plumber, poet, pediatrician, painter, politician, maybe even. Can you imagine that in South Africa? But he's given you a vocation. And part of... You know, all that He wants for you in and through your life as maybe a parent or you're in your single life or maybe you're a student or maybe you have kids or whatever it is, He wants you to be excellent in what you do. He wants you to care for those around you. He wants you to display His kingdom and its values to those in your sphere. But with that, He also wants you through all those areas of your life to introduce people to Jesus and then to encourage those people in faith that they continue their journey in Jesus. That's what we see here. People getting introduced to the one who is life itself and then being encouraged. That's what discipleship means, to follow Jesus, to make followers of Jesus, to continually strengthen and encourage Him that they would continue their journey in Jesus. This is what God wants to do in and through every single one of us. It's not just for the holy few or something like that. You know, the people that work for the church. There's no divide between the sacred and the secular in God's kingdom. This is for you. If you are a painter, programmer, plumber, you are called to introduce people to Jesus and to encourage those who are then following Jesus to continue in their faith, going from strength to strength, glory to glory. And if you feel like, man, Joe, that's that's a lot of weight on my shoulders. This is the beautiful thing about this passage. It's not on your shoulders. Because it says here, this is not something that God is asking of you at a distance. This passage goes out of its way to say, it is something that God is going to do through you, how? Through His Holy Spirit. The presence and the power of God in His Spirit is going to do it through you. So listen to what it says here in verse 3. It says, They stayed there for a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord, who testified to this message of His grace, By enabling them to do signs and wonders. He enabled them, not they did great signs and wonders as Paul and Barnabas in themselves. No, God enabled them through His Spirit. And then verse 22 says, they encouraged them to continue in the faith. And that word, encourage, is the Greek word parakaleo, which is the same foundation of the word Holy Spirit. Paracletos. So when Jesus in John 14 says, I am going to return to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm now going to send the presence and the power of God not to be close to you or next to you, but to be in you. It's a function from the inside out, the paracletos, the encourager, the counselor, the spirit. So this is what God is not asking of you to do at a distance He's saying, I want to do this in you and through you to introduce the unreached to Jesus and to then take them on this journey where you encourage them, strengthen them, teach them to continue in their path with Jesus. How do we reach the unreached? Can I just make this statement? I think there's a lot more we could say and it's a complicated subject, but at least can we say this today? You know why many people in our city are not getting reached are not becoming Jesus followers, two things. Because they are not seeing the kingdom of Jesus and because they are not hearing the message of Jesus. Because they are not seeing the kingdom of Jesus, the truth, the justice, the grace, the the hope. They're not seeing that kingdom that Jesus says is arriving in force at the moment. It's, It's near, you can touch it, He says. They're not seeing it displayed. And secondly, they're not hearing of the message of grace, the good news, the gospel of Jesus. So very simply today, let's do these two things. This is what the passage is saying. Number one, how do we reach the unreached? Show them the kingdom of Jesus in all that you do. And secondly, speak to them about the good news of Jesus. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying, man, it's simple. God, through His Spirit, wants to do this through you, whatever you're calling a vocation. From Monday to Saturday, He wants you to show them the kingdom, the unreached in our city, the friends, neighbors, colleagues, family members that do not yet know Jesus. You are connected to them. He wants to use your skill set, your vocation, your personality, your circle of influence that none of us have access to. And He wants you to show them the kingdom of Jesus in everything you do and then speak to them about the good news of Jesus. So let's look at those two things really briefly. Number one, show them, show them the kingdom of Jesus in all that you do. Did you see that in this passage it says once or twice that the Holy Spirit enabled them to confirm this message doing what? To perform signs and wonders. These were confirmations, practical signs of what? The kingdom of of God. Now, here in our venue, we have just to the right of me here, we have a bathroom sign. And I don't know if you know this, but you are not allowed to go and do your business at the sign. That's kind of bad human etiquette. I'm sure that you would get tossed out of most public venues if you do that. No, the sign is pointing you down the corridor here in our venue to a greater reality. There is relief for your pals that 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 is found as you follow the sign. There's a greater reality that the sign points to. And this is what we see. Jesus says that through his spirit, he is going to empower his people to be witnesses of the kingdom of the good news. And he will come and display like a sign pointing to his kingdom, acts of wonder and of miracle of truth, grace, grace and justice all these things point to a greater reality the kingdom and so we are called then to follow this practice do you see that in this passage there are two kinds of healing two kinds of sign and miracle in a sense two kinds of restoration the one is a supernatural physical healing this man who was lame from birth is healed and he jumps up it's incredible but also it says they encouraged them emotionally, strengthened them, cared for them. There was an emotional healing that took place. Now, my question to you is which of these two, the physical healing or the social healing, the physical restoration or the social restoration, which of these two point like a sign to the kingdom of God and Jesus? Which of those two? And the answer is both. Both of them powerfully point as a sign to the kingdom of Jesus. All throughout the New Testament, you don't choose between miraculous works and, and healing the pain through love and social work. No, it's always both. And I know people in our church, like in every other church, some of us, when we see now that the miraculous is working, the prophetic and and people getting healed and words of knowledge and we're going out and we're seeing the Holy Spirit do miraculous things, then they feel, man, now the church is finally doing what it's supposed to do. And then other people, they see us going to peas in a pod and blessing the goals there. They see us collecting our buckets fellow Bucket Project, just to the right of me here, they see us going to the hospitals or the children's homes in our city or going out on the strip and and being a social influence. And then they say, man, now the church is finally doing what it's meant to do. And the answer is a mature church will do both. A mature church will allow the Holy Spirit to work through us so that the supernatural would take place, the healings, the prophecy, the words of knowledge and encouragement. And the Holy Spirit will work through us to bring social healing, to bring hope, to bring love, to bring justice, to financially and emotionally and relationally to to bless the city and our friends, colleagues, family members, and neighbors. If I'm taking food to my neighbor who just lost a parent or whether I'm praying for a colleague who's, who's experiencing intense pain in their back, both of those things, are signs to the kingdom of God. Why do people not encounter Jesus in our city? Because they're not seeing the kingdom displayed on a regular basis. Adam Platt, who's the founder of Doxodeo, uh once he was preaching at one of our other campuses here in Pretoria, Dr. Ferry Glen, and he felt at the end of his message that he wanted to call all the medical personnel, you know, the doctors and the physiotherapists and the, the nurses and all these people, call them forward and that there would be a moment of commissioning for them, that they would once again realize that it's not just the pastors or the missionaries or, you know, the Bible teachers, but every single sphere, God has called them, and when they step into the hospital or they practice, what they are doing is they are bringing God's healing. He's using their skill of medicine and, and intellect and gifting that He's given them, and when they bring that healing, it's God's healing. So he wanted them to pray and just commission them back into their Mondays. But as they came up, he just experienced, just the voice kind of in his heart, just God saying to him that I want you to ask these medical people to turn around and pray for the congregation for healing. And almost in a sense, he, he felt like, no, this, this can't be God speaking to me because I thought the whole point was that we're going to commission them to realize once again that they are bringing social, physical healing. And so he just obeys and he says, Okay, if there's anyone here today that you've got some kind of ailment or sickness, come forward. And these doctors and, and nurses and people start laying hands on these people and praying for them, and people are just getting healed. It's almost as if God was saying supernatural healing and physical healing through the social or the work or the vocation or the medicine, all these things are my healing. All these things are pointers, signs to a greater reality, the kingdom of Jesus that is filled with grace and truth and justice and hope. And when we display the kingdom in everything we do, people get touched by it in such a powerful way. People can argue with theology, they can reject a message, they can have issues with philosophy and worldview, but you cannot argue when you see the kingdom just displayed. Whether that is in the miraculous, when we pray for people, we're not meant to heal a single person. We are meant to pray for people. We're meant to be obedient. God is not looking for supernatural people. He's looking for obedient, willing, and able people. He will do it through you. And when we display the kingdom through loving them, through bringing justice to issues, standing up for people, when we care for those who are around us, when we love those that are struggling in our midst, both of these things. Manalisi, our worship leader, he recently told us he's quite involved in the sphere of musicianship when it comes to also weddings and wedding venues. And he said they had this wedding tester moment where you had all these vendors that that offer their services to wedding venues and they could come and almost look at all these people. And he said there was this one guy that so struck a chord with everyone because he set up his stall and he did it with such excellence. Everything this guy did just spoke of an excellent spirit. And the moment he was done, with his own stall, he started going to other people, asking them, listen, how can I help you? Is there something that I can do for you? And then he said, afterwards, they spoke to him and they asked him about his work. And they said, it wasn't even five minutes. And this man was speaking about Jesus. The reason I do what I do is because of God. It's because of Jesus, he's commissioned me. He's sent me. I know that I work for him. So something once again of the way that he spoke, was a confirmation of also just the way that He did things. I have an excellent spirit in everything I do in my work, in my vocation. I know that I'm called. I know that I'm meant to do an excellent job. But at the same time, I go out of my way to live beyond myself in service of others. And when I speak, I speak about Jesus. We show people the kingdom of God. Now, maybe you feel like, man, this... This is heavy, I'm not sure if I can do this, but I wanna encourage us friends, just think about this. We have one chance in this life to display the kingdom of God to our friends, neighbors, colleagues, and family members. Because in the new creation, there will be no more need to, to see the miraculous take place. There will be no more need to, to dry off tears. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians thirteen eight. It says, love, living beyond ourselves, that never ends. But for prophecies, God speaking through us in a spirit, that will come to an end. As for tongues, he says that will cease. As for knowledge, words of knowledge through the spirit, that's going to come to an end. For now, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, when the new creation comes, when God wraps up history in the person of Jesus, the partial, these partial things, they will come to an end. Verse 13, But now these three will remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. In the new creation, we will no longer have any need for prophecy or healing because we will be in the perfect presence of God in His new creation. Not a lesser human existence, a more human existence. So guess what? We have one opportunity in this life to show the kingdom of God through the miraculous and through the social moments of justice, hope, and truth. And you have to ask yourself, I have to ask myself, are these friends, neighbours, colleagues, and family members that do not yet know Jesus, the unreached, are their lives and afterlives worth my discomfort? Are they worth my discomfort? We have one chance. Show the kingdom of God in everything you do Every day. And then secondly, you're probably thinking, man, it's rocket science today, Joe, isn't it? This is the most simple possible thing that we're saying. Secondly, speak to them about the good news of Jesus. Speak to them about the good news of Jesus. Verse 15. They say, people, why are you doing these things? Tearing their robes. We are people also just like you. And we are proclaiming, sharing, speaking the good news to you, that you turn from these worthless things to the living God. Isn't that just so simple? They proclaimed the good news of Jesus. Part of why people do not come to meet their Lord and Savior in our city is because they don't hear how good the good news is. Yes, they might know of religion yes they might have some background in church maybe they are completely unchurched or maybe they have got a de-church background they got hurt in the church or frustrated or burned out but I think so many people don't know what the genuinely good news is that yes God it begins with creation that God created us he is the unmoved mover the one who is behind all things the mechanisms are irrelevant the fact is God is the creator and he created us to be His image bearers He created us to image Him in all creation, to know Him and to enjoy Him forever. And then, yes, sin through our rebellion, our brokenness, our deception, through the fact that we chose to be our own gods and define good and evil for ourselves, sin entered into the picture. And ever since that moment for every single human being through nature and choice, there has been a twisting of the nature of God. There's been a brokenness, a deep source of of pain and shame and guilt at the very heart of mankind. But there is, number three, redemption in Jesus. God chooses not to sidestep our sin or do away with us or ignore it. He says, I will step into your brokenness. I will confront your rebellion. I will come and defeat sin, Satan, the enemy, death over you. And I do that in the person of Jesus. I step into the drama and the horror of the human condition, and He comes to take upon Himself in the person of Jesus on the cross. He takes sin, brokenness, death upon Himself. He defeats Satan in spectacular fashion. He comes to break the yoke of our brokenness. And He invites us to say, Turn from all these worthless things. How many people in our city are living for worthless things? Good things in that sense. Career is a good thing. Sex is a good thing. Friendship is a good thing. Family is a good thing. To to have status and wealth, those are good things. But people are living for those things. They are making those things their identity, their purpose, their hope. And they work their fingers to a bone. They they walk their their feet and their souls to a crypt to try and find something that satisfies them. They move from city to city and they go from bed to bed and bottle to bottle and business to business and they never find something truly satisfied because as good as money and sex and status is, it's not a God thing. It can't carry the weight of our soul's expectation. It can't bring me identity. It can't bring me satisfaction. It can't reconnect me with life. So yes, in Jesus, we are invited to turn from these worthless things as Paul and Barnabas says and turn in faith putting my trust, my hope, my faith in the finished work of Jesus and receive new life. That the Holy Spirit would come and redeem me, restore me, put His presence within me, come and regather me for my calling as an image bearer of God, send me into my life and every sphere with His blessing, seat me at the right hand of of authority where Jesus is. He adopts me into this unbreakable family bond of relationship. Man, there's redemption. And then finally, there's consummation. There's going to be an end to all of this. We're not going to escape to this this cloudy heavenly realm where we're going to play just harps and be like fat babies sitting on a cloud somewhere. No, the Bible says there will be a new creation. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. And we will live in this beautiful place that's not less human than we experience now, but more human. Vocation will be more powerful. Friendship will be more profound. Relationship with God will be even more teary-eyed, inspirational and powerful. This is where it's all going. There is such good news. And the anchor point for all of that is what? Jesus. People need to hear the good news of Jesus. I love what John Miltimore, he writes for Time magazine. And he's a, he, he works in the, in the realm of almost like film criticism and he says, our culture has changed in a great many ways since I was a youngster. But in some ways, movies have not. The most powerful idea in cinema remains the same. What is that? Self-sacrifice. And then the secular man says, but it would be a mistake to overlook just how Christian this idea is. He says there is no greater theme than that of self-sacrifice. And everything changes. But when it comes to entertainment, movies, series, books, when it comes to the apex of pulling on people's heartstrings, capturing their deepest desires, what does that more than anything else? The idea of self-sacrifice. Sacrifice. He mentions so many, I can't do all of them, but he says movies like Saving Private Ryan, How to Train Your Dragon 2, Beauty and the Beast, Inside Out, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Star Wars, Rogue One, Terminator 2, Logan, Hodor and Game of Thrones, Frozen, Stranger Things, Harry Potter, Avengers Endgame. He says every year, billions and billions of dollars are getting poured into by by Hollywood and HBO Max and Netflix and Amazon Prime into all these projects. And it's the most excellent of of artisans working on these things. And when they want to take these epic stories to their very climax, where do they always land? Self-sacrifice. And there is no greater narrative. There is no greater story that is being written, not in a fictional sense, but in the real world by the author of all things, than the climaxing story of the self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For you and for me, because of love. Mark 10:45, it says of Jesus, even the Son of Man did not come to be served like a Roman or a Greek, God bow before me, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. People in our city, friends, neighbors, colleagues, family members that do not yet know Jesus, they are held, they are held captive by sin, by rebellion, by brokenness, by trauma by hurt, they are are being held ransom by false identities in bottles, businesses, and beds. And Jesus says, I come to ransom you from the enemy, from sin, from brokenness with my own life. There is no greater theme that melts people's hearts than that of Jesus. It's not religion. It's not trying to be a good person. It's not a new philosophy in life. It is when the revelation of the person of God and what He's done when that hits my soul and the spirit regenerates me and I'm put into a place of new life through faith, everything changes. People need to hear just in everyday speech, just the good news. Let me just give you a couple of things in closing, just practically. What if you were to start just praying over your day? It doesn't matter if you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a CEO working in and it doesn't matter. If you took maybe 10 minutes earlier get up you pray you read your bible and then you take your calendar for the day and you pray over those appointments who are the key people that i'm going to see the friends colleagues and family members the neighbors that i'm going to have a quick coffee with a chat with there's a a difficult conversation with a colleague there's a presentation i need to do and god i'm asking you that you would give me the words you don't have to stand up and And be this crazy Jesus freak in the office, standing on a soapbox. Here I am, and Jesus, and uh, repent. And you know, if you were to go to to hell tonight, you don't have to do that. You can just speak about your faith. Speak about Jesus. Make the connections. You know, where those friends, neighbors, family, colleagues, you know, where all of them, where they sit with their doubts, their fears, their struggles. You know, where they sit with. the the, the hurt and the trauma and the pain they have you know where they sit in terms of their worldview and their philosophy and the struggles and things they have you connect the dots between who Jesus is and where they find themselves just speak about Jesus if you have kids maybe draw your kids into those moments of prayer say listen kids I've got a really important meeting today with this colleague of mine will you just pray with me We just pray that I can represent the good news of Jesus well. I don't have to be fake or insincere or use all this churchy language. I can just speak about Jesus. Can I say, just share your faith in a normal way. You know the movies when they say, just act natural. And everyone acts like very unnatural. Just act natural. We spoke about tennis last week. Friends, we are called just to serve the ball. That's all God says we need to do in conversation. And He's going to do it through us, through the Holy Spirit. But we are not called to to control how this person returns the ball. What they make with our speech, with our conversation, with our friendship, with our influence, that's not the point. We are called to speak in a natural way. Again, you don't have to stand up and preach to everyone every Monday morning. But speak in every moment, just in natural ways, about the faith that you have in Jesus. I really think it's as simple as just, introducing two people, just bringing the hands together. Here at church on a Sunday when we gather, it's so simple for me to connect a new person to someone that I already know because I've just gotten to know this person and I say, hey, can I introduce you to this person? I think you guys would get along so well. There's something almost as profoundly simple about it in the faith aspect as well. When I say, listen, I know my family member, this friend this colleague so well, this Jesus I'm getting to know. Can I just bring these hands together? Just make the introduction. And finally, can I just say, can we just speak about our faith and church as if we actually enjoy it? Don't be a sourpuss when it comes to your faith. People ask us like, hey, how was your weekend? You're like, it was fine, I went to church. It's like, come on, of course I wouldn't want to do that. Of course I wouldn't want to be a Christian. You know, Shia LaBeouf, the actor, he recently, I'm not going to say what the long-term effect of this will be, but at least for now, it looks really sincere that, He's had this profound engagement in faith. He was preparing for a role where he's going to play a Roman Catholic, a famous Roman Catholic priest. And to prepare for this role, he went and he lived at a monastery for a couple of months. And he said initially, you know, so skeptical, he's got all his own things going on. And he's really just in a place of brokenness. If you listen to these interviews and it's sexuality and drugs and trauma from the past. So initially he's keeping his distance, but he says, you know, you know what got to me? It wasn't the rituals and the prayers and the, It was the joy. It was the joy of these men. In the small things and the great things, they had such powerful joy. Speak about your faith and about church, about your rhythms of your religion in such a way that speaks of the passion of who Jesus is. Why are people in our city unreached? because they do not see the kingdom of Jesus displayed both in the supernatural and in the social. And they don't hear from us just the good news of Jesus in ways that they can just understand and connect with. There's a, a famous preacher who works just in the realm of the Holy Spirit so powerfully, Mike Palavachi. And he says, you know what? We don't need more courage to witness to people. We need more love. Do I love my friends, neighbors, colleagues, and family members? Then let me boldly step out and let the Holy Spirit do it through me. Just show them the kingdom. Pray, prophesy, words of knowledge. Bring food, care, be a shoulder to cry on. Cut their grass, pay for their balls, be good to them, serve them, bless them, and speak about the good news of Jesus. This is how we reached the unreached. These are the tales that our table can tell.